You're listening to Every Good Thing, a podcast where we talk about Jesus in the Book of Mormon and try to build and strengthen sincere connections with Christ. My name is Josh Putnam, and I love talking about Jesus and the hope that we can find in him. Hello, and welcome into the show today. I uh, This is take two. I just did a good 10 minutes, and I realized that I didn't have the microphone on and so it was not recording and i it was going pretty well so hopefully this will go as well okay so today we are in first nephi chapter two uh last time we last episode was the the end of first nephi chapter one so this is the second book the second chapter of the book of mormon and in last chapter lehi has been called by God to re- preach repentance to the people, and he, um, and so he does it, and the people hate him and seek to kill him. And so, in the beginning of of chapter two, the Lord acknowledges this. He says um, that he he spake unto my father, even in a dream, and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Lehi, because of the thing which thou hast done. And because thou hast been faithful and declared unto this people the things which I commanded thee, behold, they seek to take away thy life. So here, uh, go and preach repentance to this people, do this really difficult thing, and as a reward, they're going to try to kill you. You know, like it's a, it doesn't sound like a very good, uh, good deal, you know. But Lehi was obedient and he did it. And so one of the things that I... Uh, brought up in my first my first uh, draft of this <laughs> of this episode was that it seems to go this way sometimes like God asks us to to so it, it's this it's that it's supposed to be a really happy positive hopeful, joyful, glorious message. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. This is the good news. You know, like we were facing a situation before Christ atoned for our sins. We were facing eternal uh, damnation, eternal suffering, separation from God, um, everlasting burnings, as the scriptures describe it. it, it, it descri- the scriptures also describe it as a, a lake of fire and brimstone. You know, you hear that fire and brimstone, like. Um, and what does that really mean or look like? I don't know. I, you know, scriptures are often very symbolic, or there's a lot of imagery. But the idea is that it was going to be unbelievably unbearably painful for just ever for eternity and this was what we were facing and not just facing as a possibility but facing as an as an absolute certainty for us because in, oh, the only way to avoid it would have been perfection we would have to have lived a perfect life here and we could not do that none of us have ever come close to that only one person did and that was Jesus himself so we were all facing this certainty of eternal suffering. But 
But the good news is that Jesus came and rescued us from that fate. He came and said and, and, and suffered for us and took upon himself the suffering. Um, he took the beatings, as it were, the punishment, and, and offers us mercy and saved us. And so the good news, it was, it, it, if God is calling a prophet or somebody to go and preach repentance, the idea is that, you know, um, it should be really exciting or hopeful or happy if you, if you understand the, the situation before you. Like, you're either going to suffer for eternity or, you know what, you don't have to because God loves you so much. He sent his son to save you from that fate. And so it should be the joyful, joyfully accepted message. In theory, I mean, that's the, that's the idea, but it's not always that way. And so, you know, God calls these, these prophets and, you know, uh, verse 1 there reminds me of, um, of John, or not John, but Matthew 10, right? This whole concept. Uh, verse 22 and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake you know this it's supposed to be this really glorious happy positive message the gospel uh, is but but we saw in Jesus's life certainly he was absolutely hated um, not by all men there were many who loved him and followed him but but by the certainly the people in power hated him and he was ultimately crucified for for his message and um and and so he also warned us that there will be people who hate you because of me for hate you who hate you because of what you say when you tell them my message and it's a strange concept but i do i do kind of i mean i i get it in some ways like i recently had a a small interaction with somebody online it was a respectful one but it was they brought up a point that I understand, and and it's that I I had I had shared something about how um, that that Jesus didn't really he didn't eat with sinners and and um, the uh, outcasts you know the, the sinners so much to um, accept them as it was to uh, I can't remember how, it, I didn't write it it was a post that I found and so I felt like it was a, a respectful way to say it but the idea was that the idea is that I think that, that sometimes in our world today um, in our desire and our efforts to be accepting of everybody and loving of everyone and kind and compassionate non-judgmental um what ends up happening, what has ended up happening, is that we have become first open to the idea of some sin, and and then and then comfortable with that idea, and then even at, and then sometimes even we become accepting of it and and um, embrace it, and that is because Satan is sneaky and crafty, and he understands that we do feel compassionate we do care about people's suffering and we do understand that there are people who 
come from a different background, a different place than we do. And and so we want to be really patient with those people and and compassionate and empathetic and and you know not just reject or condemn or criticize groups of people who or even individual people who are who have not chosen to live the way we do or who have not chosen to accept Christ um, you know is the law that that they must yeah eventually yeah but he but God is patient too and understanding and merciful and so that is important that is important for us to be uh, able to be kind and patient and, and merciful too and so you have this kind of this struggle this eternal kind of struggle between the between the, the grace and the and the justice the the mercy and the righteousness righteousness is still really important and um, I think that what happens has happened in our society is that Satan knows Satan has taken our compassion and and our desire to not judge and has used it to push forward to to condition us to be more accepting of sin um, to to um, condition us to eventually start to embrace um, sin and and to instead of becoming non-judgmental about people um, we, we sort of start to adopt a moral relativistic kind of idea uh, mindset and we become it, we start to um, reject the idea of of there even being a right or wrong and and I've seen that slowly happen over time is that um, that Satan really is is sneaky and he and he manipulates us in, in our desire to be kind and compassionate so that was kind of what the post was about and, and the, this other person brought up that you know like you know essentially couldn't it have been both that that God ate with them because um, you know because he wanted them to feel accepted and, and loved um, and to you know draw them closer to him and it, I think and, and so I I responded of course yeah I think it's complicated and this is what we're kind of seeing here at the beginning of, of first Nephi chapter 2 is this concept of like this is the good news of the gospel and you need to be kind and compassionate and empathetic toward people you need to love your enemies right uh, not just not hate them but actually love them uh, turn the other cheek go the other extra mile be kind um, we see an example of Jesus doing this all time you know he presumably he was also teaching principles but we don't have a ton of like he we don't really have like lectures of like he didn't go around um, you know to the sinners and uh, the outcasts and berate them about their life choices um, we he taught truth and some of those things were difficult to hear but he must have done it with such a great compassion I, what I say must have is that we don't have a lot of um, 
the scriptures are not written at like a book so they're not descriptive in like here's how this person felt and this is how this person felt and here's the tone that was used in in these but we can gain some little insights um, contextual insights and things to help us to have an idea of what and or we can look at um, different interpretations um, particularly if we go back to the original languages like the Greek um, or to Hebrew or something then sometimes we can get some really good insights there as to what maybe um, what kind of the tone might have been but we don't have a we have to dig a lot deeper than just reading the scriptures sometimes in order to get an idea of that so we don't really know exactly how he was portraying like what tone was in his voice like for instance I think about when he uh, told uh, Peter I think get the hence Satan right like get, you know because Peter had was that the time when Peter had said let's just like escape because people were coming after him or something but Jesus had to fulfill that that um, mission you know of, of Tony and so so he called him Satan <laughs> and like that feels really harsh but maybe he said it differently than it seems like he did I don't I don't know so but my point is that um, that this is a that I that I have not yet found the balance yet myself of how do you be kind and non-judgmental and accepting of everyone I do think we need to be accepted as we are that doesn't mean that we yet need to accept or embrace sin um, and in fact it's important that we don't and it's also and it's important that we um, allow God to change us and to become and that was sort of my point in this in this post was that Jesus his loving and accepting other people as they are is is like it's it's different than sometimes we I think have uh, um, have the idea of I think that that sometimes we we um, or different than what we end up doing I I I think in our desire to to be kind and compassionate and accepting sometimes we do end up justifying sin or, or accepting or embracing. Um, sin and Jesus never did that and, and wouldn't and can't and so his mission is to love and accept um, all people as they are while at the same time also requiring change requiring holiness and righteousness but also providing the way to do that and that's the so requires change but he is the one who makes the change right we become born we, we are born again meaning we are literally changed by him by his power so it's not this like now you like this shaking the finger at someone like you wicked evil person you're disgusting you need to um you're so unworthy now you need to go and make yourself worthy before you can come to me you know come to god like that's not what it is at all um it's a it's a loving invitation um and offer of, of help let me help make you what you need to be calm let me help make you holy and righteous and pure and that so that's kind of the idea that i was trying to get across was that we kind of have to be aware that loving and accepting people um, as god wants us to um, is so important 
and um, and that holiness and righteousness are also re- are required um, still, and that Jesus is the one who makes us holy and righteous and as as with um as a gift you know through grace so it's not something we have to earn or make happen but we just have to be aware that when we accidentally slip into justifying sin i suppose that's where the error lies um, when we just start to dismiss or change uh or try to change what we think is sin uh, if god has said here is a sin and we start to say, you know what? No, that's how a person was born. That's we can't change that. Um, you know, for instance, anything like anger or lust or anything. Well, I was born that way. That's just natural. Don't judge. Don't don't criticize. You know, um, it's a fine line. It's a fine line uh, trying to to be non-judgmental and and kind and, and inviting and accepting. Uh, and also still holding a boundary, a, a standard that God has set. It's It can be a very difficult thing to do. And I haven't figured out how to do it yet very well. And Lehi, um, and I don't know that it's always possible, maybe not even possible for us. Um, you know, certainly maybe not necessary. But I do think, God, oh, it's just... Life is so complicated and, and things are so painful and I want to not add pain to other people's lives um, by making them feel unwanted or or hated or criticized or not enough, you know. But nonetheless, um, that's where Lehi was. He had called the people to repentance and they were a very wicked people at that point and, and we find we we know later on shortly after this that they are destroyed because of their wickedness um but so you know i guess today is kind of to begin it was just a little discussion about that complicated um balance between loving and accepting and also have holding a standard and not not um, justifying sin or unholiness um, so any uh, I'll maybe talk about one more thing from this chapter um, and then we'll call it good for for this episode but in chapter two because okay he people were seeking to take away his life um, said that uh, be, uh, came to pass that the Lord commanded my father in a dream that he should take his family and depart into the wilderness. So this is something that's interesting because this is kind of a pattern in scripture. Not every time, but often God will call out the righteous or some of the righteous from a place before he um, before it's destroyed. So you know, we saw it with Abraham and um, and then Lot in, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. We, we saw it with the children of Israel. With, um, now they were um, in Egypt, so they were pulled out of bondage. 
uh, but we certainly see it here in the Book of Mormon. Um, we see it a, a few times in the Book of Mormon, actually. Um, one, I guess, would be also uh, Jared, later in the Book of Mormon, and the brother of Jared and their families um, from the Tower of Babel. And then, let's see, I mean, there's others. Well, God will always put, well, Noah, right? I mean, he, and, but it wasn't just, it was an invitation for anybody. Come and be saved. Come and, and, and be saved from the flood. And nobody would take him up on that offer. But, uh, but so I think, but the point is, I think God does often, he allows for escape. If we will listen to him, um, when danger is, is imminent and destruction is imminent, God warrants and invites um, people to salvation. And, and anyone is willing to, or allowed, or welcome to, to take him up on that offer. Um, so we see that here. Certainly it happened in the early days of the church. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we, with the um, the pioneers, were uh, early church members. They were uh, being driven here and there, and all over the place. Um, Nauvoo and Kirtland, and you know, they eventually had to come all the way out to Utah um, to escape some of these things. And not that they, that then the people were destroyed, but. But that it's just it's an interesting pattern that I've seen that God often will take a group of people out from from another group of people, take a righteous group of people out from a more wicked group of people, um, and that He, you know, may do that for us in our lives, uh, and and maybe not necessarily having to do with righteousness or wickedness, but even um, even just. For our own individual, uh, uh, you know, life and journey, he, he may ask us to leave something. In verse four, uh, that came to pass, he departed into the wilderness, left his house, left the land of his inheritance, and his gold and his silver and his precious things. He took nothing with him, save it were his family and provisions and tents, and departed into the wilderness. He left everything. Are we willing to do that? That's another question here too. Are we willing to leave the world behind if God asks us to give it up? Are we willing to leave it behind? And I'm not saying that he will always ask us to give everything up. Maybe he won't ask us to give everything up, um, at least in that way. He does put ask us to put him first above all else. Um, but we can look at it in a lot of different ways. Are we putting him above a lot of these worldly things our gold and silver and precious things you know not necessarily gold and silver but our money our fame our uh, possessions are we putting him above those things not just like the ones we have but been seeking those things are we putting are we devoting enough time to him um, even even um, as we also seek the things that we need in life. And that's a, uh, something you have to really um, examine yourself. Uh, I, I'm, um, I need to examine it in my life as well. Sometimes I do 
better at this than others. So, um, so yeah, but we see that this will come into play later in a few chapters too, that, that is kind of cool that yeah, they left all this stuff and you find that like, maybe there was a divine purpose for it, you know, but beyond just like giving it up, but that they left it for a reason or that God had him leave, told him to leave it for a reason. Um, so yeah, anyway, they, they leave and, and God well, I think I'll will probably ask all of us to leave behind some things that are important to us. And and are we willing to do that? And we don't get this covenant here with Lehi, but we do know that he the Lord promises him a land of promise. Um which is basically his own land of inheritance, this of of beauty and abundance and peace and so when we I think God will always uh, reimburse us tenfold from what we sacrifice so as we sacrifice for him the things that he might ask us to um, he will give us back more than we far more than we um, gave up and that's going to be a difficult thing to hold on to because sometimes that doesn't come for a long time. Um, and in fact, in Lehi's case, it didn't. It didn't come for a long time. They, I mean, probably 10 years or more. They wandered in the wilderness for at least eight, you know. So it didn't come for a while, but it eventually came. And he was able to enjoy his land of inheritance, his promised land. And whatever your promised land is, I don't know what it is, but for me, it's something different. It, it symbolizes something to me. Not necessarily a piece of property somewhere. Although that would be nice. But, I mean, yeah. Anyway, so, but, um, but it, it also symbolizes some other things. Desires that I have and hopes and dreams that I have. And so, it is, is, uh, you know, what does that mean to you? What is your land of inheritance? God will get you there. He'll get you there. If you, the Book, Book of Mormon in, in this, in First Nephi, particularly mentions a number of times, if you keep my commandments, I will lead you to the land of promise. So here we see the beginning of that journey for Lehi and his family. He's been obedient to God. He's received the reward of hatred and rejection and people trying to kill him and now God says okay I'm going to save you I'm going to get you out of here so let's go get all your stuff together get your family and head into the wilderness so that's a you know that can be symbolic for us but think about would you be willing to do that today if God said okay pack up some tents and go into the forest you know or whatever and and we're just gonna we're that that's actually kind of a dream of mine <laughs> and I, uh, uh, something i i want not not tents and whatever but i'd love to get some some land somewhere get off grid build my own little cob cottage you know that's that's something i would love but you know it's not what everyone else always wants you know and and that could be a big sacrifice for people 
So just something to think about. Would you be willing to? And um, is there one thing maybe in your life that you could give up, be, be willing to give up, to put God a little bit higher in, on your priority list? So anyway, there you go. That's, that's, I think that's all for, to, for now. They, um, just a couple, there, there were just a, a couple of um, verses there and, and just some of my thoughts on them. I don't really feel like I had a, a, a great, you know, a lot of scriptural insights there for you, but just some things to think about, some things that, that we all, I think, all face in our world today. How do we find the balance between um, holding God's standard and also being kind and compassionate and and accepting and non-judgmental it's it can be really difficult to find that balance and then the other thought is how do you you know how could what, what can we give up um maybe just one thing that that we can sacrifice at the altar to put god a little higher on our priority list and and you know would we be willing to sacrifice everything and what is our land of inheritance? Our promised land. You know, I promise you that God will get you. If, you, if your promised land that you want to get to is a good, righteous thing, God will get you there. And, and it may take a little bit of time, but, and it may take some kind of sacrifice. But he will get you there. So... Anyway, that's it for now. Hope you have a beautiful day, week, however long it is until I get back on here. Um, God loves you and wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm.